0: You're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. Today on the show, I have the one, the only actress, Emily Hampshire. She is from the show Schitt's Creek. She plays the role of Stevie. And I'm super excited to have her here. Big fan of the show. But before we start, I'd like to ask you to check out the link to my new book series, Meet the Candidates 2020. The whole series is written by Grant Stern, who also happens to produce this podcast. I'm the series editor, and each book starts with an essay that I've written about each candidate. These books are a wonderful portrait of each candidate, and Grant looks under every rock, search engine, and even into the Internet Archive to paint that portrait with lots of facts, policy, and the history that you truly need to understand the Democratic candidates for president in 2020. You can find the books at your local bookstore or on Amazon, from the link inside this podcast, or you can just check out meetthecandidates2020.com. So, I spoke with actress Emily Hampshire. She is absolutely amazing. We had a great conversation. It's definitely worth listening. So, here is my interview with the wonderful Emily Hampshire. Emily Hampshire, Hi. how are you today?
1: I'm very good. Thank you.
0: Oh, wonderful. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, you're in Toronto right now?
1: Yes, we're shooting the last, well, not only the last season of Shit's Creek, but we are in the last week of Shit's Creek.
0: I heard it's a little bit like Game of Thrones. You're keeping things tight and actually keeping people off the set so that they they don't know. Are they doing the same with the cast where they separate y'all and you don't really know where the script's going? Or do you...
1: Oh no, it's not, it's not that bad. Like they couldn't separate us, especially because there's so many family members involved. But, um, but we definitely have tried to keep things well, like costumes and stuff. If certain people have seen, uh, cause people crowd around on the streets and it, I mean, it would be weird, let's say to see Stevie and this doesn't happen, but like if Stevie's in a ballerina costume, that's never going to happen. But that, let's say, would be a spoiler of sorts. So they do um, keep people a bit at a distance for certain things. However, there was this shits con that was organized by, uh, I think some people call themselves shitheads, but like in a good way. Um, and they organized this thing where people flew in from London and um, Australia and like hundreds of people came to where we shoot in Goodwood, which is the town of Schitt's Creek, the exterior, and they came all organized for a day, and um, so that was like crazy and amazing, and
0: yeah. Well, so, the, the, is it? Uh, so you're wrapping up. When do you finish shooting the series?
1: Uh, the 21st next week. Sometime, yeah. Oh, no, wait, today's the 21st, so week after today. So, like, the 28th. Yeah, that's how much we've been
0: shooting. <laughs> it's it's got to be tough. I mean, uh, especially, it took off, like, a, I think it's the smartest move ever. You end on top, you know what I mean? Like, where it's, you guys yeah. go into the last season. Um, obviously, it's, so, again, I'll compare it to Game of Thrones, where people... Are hungry for more and they're disappointed that it's ending but they also don't want the show to you know wind off into a lot of other shows where they go on too long yeah. i guess and you have too powerful of a cast now that they're probably it's expensive like you know and then people are getting booked for movies and other gigs and you obviously have like a, a broad thing going on what what is what's up next for you after you're done with Shit's creek
1: um, well, uh, it's basically looking for a job now, <laughs> um, which is – it's weird because I think all of us feel the same way about Dan and Eugene's decision to end it. Like, on the one hand, we're really disappointed. I think we would all do this show forever. There's not – like, I, I did this show called 12 Monkeys that I loved so much, and I missed that character, and everything, but I could not do that show forever. It was just like – to like, there's a time when you just, you can't keep going playing a crazy person. And, um, but this show, I think everyone would do it forever. Mainly me. Cause I sit behind a desk and play Sudoku. Um, but we all like, I, I just respect so much Dan's decision to do this and to, it's just, it speaks to the integrity he has for the, for the show and for the audience. And, um, that, he because really at this point it's just become popular. And so people are offering him a lot of things to keep it going. And he refuses to do that because he doesn't want to like do anything like disrespect the story or like, he knows how it's supposed to end. And I think that's great, even though I would love to keep going. Um, but it's
0: good. Folks get really excited when I tell them, you know, if they're fans of the show they'll they'll be like man i wish there were more episodes and i'll be like do you know about the christmas special and um, no, um, and usually they're like what christmas special and because um, in the states we the didn't one. have an air here and so it's only like two bucks on amazon so uh that that kind of thing where it was showing how they were before uh and then obviously goes into the future uh it, it was pretty cool to see like a Stavros and, you know, Paul Schufer Oh Yeah. The right. That
1: everything that they've talked about, that right. was great.
0: Right. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was really cool to see. And then, like that house, the fact that that house exists in real life, obviously. It exists
1: in Toronto, by the way,
0: <laughs>
1: just crazy.
0: The owner of the Raptors.
1: Yes, um, <laughs> I think so. So we actually have another thing that we've just been doing is, um, we've been doing this documentary this year for the finale of, and like, and I just did my, we, have to do like a, a final interview and I did mine last night and that's going to be something I think is going to be great for people to see because there's also uh, I'm not allowed to say but I found there's been a lot of like celebrity people who like the show and who are going to be talking on that documentary about the show and um, so that'll be fun and our tours have been Great as an extra because I know the show is so short. It, like you could really binge the se- people will binge these all the seasons in like a weekend, which is I think what happened when it became more popular. Because like I said to you before, we we've, we've been shooting, like doing this show for six seasons. We're on our sixth now, and people have only recently discovered it. Um, and I think I definitely that it had to do with uh, the political climate in the states because it was like before before Christmas. Uh, it was a show that people in Canada really liked, and some inside underground people knew about it in the states. And then after Christmas, I came back, and I could not go to Bed Bath and Beyond without it being like a musical. <laughs> so, um, so I, I think I think especially because the show puts out this kind of like this heart and this goodness that people need that right
0: now find out more about meet the candidates 2020 my new book series of voter guides authored by Dworkin report producer grant stern it's the only place you can read my opinion and a factual portrait of each major democratic candidate in one place buy my new book now at the link inside this episode's notes or on amazon you can also visit meet the 2020.com thanks again for your support Let's get back to the show. But with Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy, and I mean, the, yeah. they've done it for years, you know, decades and decades. So it's, I'm not surprised with them, but like, um, were, are you surprised about kind of uh, how, how effective it's been in regards to, and how re- well received everything's been from the Uh-oh. show?
1: Oh, yeah. And I I think we all have been even Catherine and Eugene have said they've never experienced anything like this in their career. Like when we go on tour, they said for them, it's actually been bigger than when they did those Christopher Guest movies, even though that was huge. But these, this kind of response has been very different for them. But also, like, it's interesting. I just thought about this, what you said about that we don't mention Trump or anything like that. And it's it just reminded me that one of the things I think Dan does brilliantly with the show is that we don't have homophobia in Schitt's Creek. Like, it just doesn't exist. And I never would have thought that was the better thing to do than to have homophobia and deal with it and talk about it or whatever. That would have been, I think, most people's idea of how you take a stance on something. But what he envisions is like, why don't we create a world how it should be and 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 it just doesn't exist in Schitt's Creek, and it never will. And I think that is kind of similar to the person's name we don't mention. It just doesn't exist there um because it shouldn't. Um, and it's a better town for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been I don't think any of us, any of us expected. Uh, the response we've gotten, especially because we've been on for such a long time and we thought, well, it would have happened a long time ago. <laughs> and so, so yeah, that, and also, I, I mean, quite honestly, the letters we get and the stuff like the DMS of, um, from people whose lives it's kind of really affected means something to us. Cause I think the show has changed. Well, at least speaking personally, the show has changed me, in a way I never thought even needed to be changed. Like I thought I was super open and, um, yeah, I just, I didn't realize that, uh, there was a lot more mind expansion that I needed.
0: A lot of friends have a connection. A lot of friends have told me about the, obviously the storyline of Patrick coming out to his parents and surrounding him and, and David's engagement. And, and obviously, um, you know, someone else outing them has been a a big, big one. And and just how, again, there's comedy in there, but there's that sincerity and and kind of love that surrounds it, um, which makes it more like genuine and real. Did you, I mean, like, did you really think that um, like, you know, you guys would go in this kind of direction where you're, I mean, it's hard hitting stuff. It's not, It's not, you know, there's no shame in it. And that's what's beautiful about it, I think. But what what do you think?
1: You just said it right there. There's no shame in it. And I think that is the thing. And to answer your question, no, I had no idea. Um, Especially because... So first season, we have this episode where we talk about David's sexuality and he likens it to, you know, that he's into the wine, not the label, and says he is pansexual. And quite honestly when I shot that, I didn't know what pan-sensuality was. I didn't even get, I'm like, wait, there's three wines? Like I, I, and I was confused and he explained it to me. Cut to, cut to like five years later, I find myself in love with a trans woman that I, and I'm, and even Dan, Dan was, I was, I was asking Dan, I'm like, well, what, what am I like? Am I a lesbian? Am I a what? Like, I don't know what I am. I just love this person. And um, and he's like, well, you're pan. Did you not watch that episode? <laughs> um, so it's it's really, I think, I, I can't believe it changed my life in that way. But also what I love is that it deals with it, not in a kind of after school special kind of way. It's always funny and real. It kind of reminds me sometimes, though, of, I mean maybe people won't get this comparison at all. It might just be me, but like I love Billy Wilder movies and like The Apartment and Irma LaDuce and they're super funny, but they also have this this huge heart in the center of it that like just that that to me is what I think the show does best.
0: one of the things I always get curious about <laughs> is I, I wanna know about the second you got the call, like I were were you for sure gonna take the part if you got it did you have to uh you know audition like what was the process like and what, what was that call like when you found out that you got the role
1: before i got the audition i had been in la for like i don't know five years or something and I'd come from like I've been acting since I was 14 and so uh it's the only thing I've ever done and in Canada I kind of knew the casting directors it's a smaller town and and um and then I go to LA and uh, well and like I would work with people I knew here and get offers for things or whatever and then I go there and I have It was like starting over and you go into a room with like a casting director. There's no camera and they just like don't look at you and stuff like it's not that they're mean. It's that there's just it's a bigger pool. And it kind of like did a number on my brain. And I started breaking out in hives, like full body hives every time I went into an audition. So I told my agent at the time, I'm like, I can't. I can't go in the room anymore. I like, I can't, I'll put myself on tape, but I can't audition. And so he dropped me, obviously I don't blame him. Um, but my Canadian agent did not drop me. I've been with her since I was 15. Um, and she called me like a week later being like, there's this audition for Shit's Creek. It's with Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy. And of course I love those people from all the Christopher guest movies. Um, I'd also worked with Catherine a few years before and um, she was lovely to me. Um, but I told Mage, and I'm like, I, well, I can't. I can't. I'll put myself on tape. And she's like, no, just go. In. They're Canadian. They're nice. You'll go in. And um, I don't fully remember the audition, except that I have been told from the casting director that I lifted up my shirt in it. But that's I was like oh my God, that's so bad. And I like hidden it. And so Dan tells this story a lot to people, but that was my audition. I don't know how I got this part, but um, yeah, he, he tells it like, he was like, this girl is crazy and I love her. (laughs) So, but I, but when I got, I remember the call I got saying I got the part was, I mean, it couldn't have been better. It's a little ironic that a show called Schitt's Creek Kind of saved my life because I was just going through a divorce. I had eight hundred dollars in my bank account. I was going to move into my friend's closet. It was a walk-in closet, so it was okay. Um, but I got the call that I got that, and it changed my life completely. Like, and and not like monetarily. Like we get, you know, it's Canada. It's Canadian dollars. It's like seashells. But it just, yeah, it changed everything for me. It's great.
0: <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's not always easy. To, uh, you know, it's not always easy to be in in this business, uh, and I say this business as in, like, in front of a camera or in front of people and always be performing, and you seem uh, not completely different than Stevie, but... You, you don't she seems more reserved and like she's
1: way cooler than me <laughs> this is what i run into with fans like they'll say oh here's somebody go, stevie and nothing makes me happier because i love stevie so much but so i go up to them like oh my god i love stevie. and they're like whoa you're nothing like stevie <laughs> i remember when i was like dating a while ago I used to um, I did another show at the same time as Shit's Creek and uh, called 12 Monkeys and it, I don't know if you know the movie but uh, there was a movie about it and I played the Brad Pitt part in it like the crazy person that's the point of this the crazy person Um, so anyone who'd seen both those shows were more like they wanted to go to dinner with Stevie but they ended up with Jennifer (laughs) very disappointed (laughs) but yeah no I actually what I love about playing Stevie is I feel like I sit behind that desk and I just breathe easier there because it's I feel like I can relax a bit in Stevie that I get to just watch and not have to do anything. I love her.
0: Yeah, she's a phenomenal character. And and it feels like she came out of her shell when she did Cabaret.
1: If you told Stevie of season one that she would be doing Cabaret, a musical on stage in like five years, she would find that hilarious. Um, And she'd say, yeah, yeah. I absolutely will be doing that. And, like, it would be crazy. But, so, yeah, she really... I do think of... Because everyone has changed so much on the show. But Stevie, definitely, it's going from, like, zero to a... hot, Like, going from behind the desk to on the stage is quite a journey. But I, what I love about the Cabaret episode, aside from the fact that it has actually always been my dream to play Sally Bowles in Cabaret, I've... I said that in, like, press a long time ago and people were like, what's your dream part? And Sally Bowles and Cabaret. Even though I'm, like, I love musicals, but I'm I'm not a singer. I'm definitely not a dancer, but I'll commit. Um, So I've just always wanted to do that. And the fact that I got to do it as Stevie was so much better than I could have ever dreamed because, A, I didn't have to be good. So I could, like, fail. But also maybe this time is this song that for people who like musicals and like cabaret know it as maybe this time I'll find love and like find a man. And for Stevie, what I love about that moment is it isn't about that. It's like, maybe this time I'll, I'll be my own person and I'll stand up and, and be as great as like everybody else is going off and doing their thing. And maybe this time I'll have my moment. And so it's not about a guy, which I, I, really like and I'm sorry that it's not about love but I think it's really good for Stevie because I think if she's ever going to find love she has to find herself first which I think is the journey for Stevie and I I think it does end up a lot kind of like the Wizard of Oz it was always in your own backyard Um, I think she will learn that she's always been fucking cool
0: (laughs) and self love she came out to to learn how to love herself one last question here uh the the father-like figure that eugene levy has in the show of stevie Um, Is that something that you guys uh, expected to happen or explore? Because you could see it, especially when he got really sick, went to the hospital and, you know, she's freaking out more than the kids are. Uh, But it it seems like that's been, that's her new kind of father figure. Is that something that was kind of planned or did it start to just turn into that as the show went on?
1: Well, you know, I actually want to ask Dan this because I know that Dan has always had the whole show in his head and that's why he's, ending it too because he knew he knew how it would end from the beginning. I think he knew that that was going to happen, that there was going to be a relationship there. I certainly didn't. I I actually feel like I've really gone on this journey with Stevie exactly at the same time as her because when that started that relationship with Eugene with well with Mr. Rose, but it was also to me with Eugene that it just kills me. Like anytime I see mr rose or eugene having that dad kind of like if he gets like his ego crushed a little or like the or or is like being kind to stevie or hugging her or being like dad like it i'm like oh, i can't stop crying because it's so lovely and it's not indulgent in any way it's just like i've always wondered like where's stevie's family where does because this show is about family and like where does she come from? And you realize that like Stevie's family is, is the roses now. And which is kind of interesting to me because since I've been acting, since I was a kid, this world is like carny life. It's you, you travel, you make a new family on each thing. And that's what I've always, I don't know if I realized how much I loved it, but like when I was a kid, but or what I was doing that I was making all these people into my family. But now I definitely realize that, that it's a a kind of a similar journey that Stevie's taken that anybody can be your family. It's the people who are there when when to hug you and there when you're upset and there when you know you oh my favorite moment in cabaret is when Dan, when David turns and he's like, That's my best friend and you just hear that in the in the background and it's like it kills me. (laughs)
0: Last question I'm gonna slip in. For folks struggling with their identity, do you have a message that you'd like to send to them?
1: Gosh, that's, a, that's such a good question. Because it's funny that I think, like, I do think everyone struggles with their identity. Of course, everyone at certain points in their life and multiple times, I think. But I think it's uh, an especially a bigger struggle when when it's in terms of like LGBTQ. Um, and what I think the the show really is an example of is that when when you are true to yourself and just like express yourself in the way you are right then. Like you don't have to know who you are right now, but if you just express in that moment who you are and then maybe a week from now, you'll be different and that's okay in Shit's Creek, which it sounds like kind of hokey, but it's it's true. And I think what's lovely about like David and um Patrick's relationship is like, there's nothing different about it than a a heterosexual relationship in the way it's portrayed. And I think that's what this, the messages uh, that I would give is just to, to be be yourself. And it's what I found that to me is inspiring from other people is when people just stand in their truth and are who they are. Like I think a, a lot of um, trans women like Teddy Quinn Libin and Harry Neff, people who are in the public eye who just are out and who they are um dan um being an out gay man who he is and being successful and um living their life is just like a really great example i think for people that you can be exactly who you are and have a great life and all those things so i'm not the like Greatest advice, like I still don't know who I am, so I can't really give advice on it. Except that, like, I think we're all trying to figure that out.
0: Well, you just did send a message, and you didn't even realize it. That was pretty strong, okay. um, Emily <laughs> Hampshire. Break a leg this award season. I think that you should be front and center, but um, you know we'll see where where it goes. I, I know that eventually, no matter what, like I think you're going to be. At the top because you your acting is phenomenal, I'm a big fan. I know a lot of my uh followers and listeners are fans of yours and of the show um and and again, thank you during these trying times of of doing this show and being so powerful with it, but also that comedy it's helped people like me and all, millions of Americans across the country and um so we thank you for for what you've done and bringing Stevie into our lives. thank you. Emily Hampshire, everybody. You can check her out. Obviously, just Google her. H-A-M-P-S-H-I-R-E. I I want to thank my producer, Grant Stern. He's a rock star. Go follow him on Twitter, at Grant Stern. He's got breaking news stories constantly. He's my, uh, I guess, the, the partner in crime. I hate the term, you know, especially since we're the ones investigating crimes. But uh, thank you again for Emily Hampshire. I really hope that she snags uh, an, an Emmy this year because uh, she's, she's phenomenal in the show. So anybody listening, go ahead and vote for her. Thanks again for taking the time. You can check out our website at com. You can check out my book series at meetthecandidates2020.com. dot com. Keep resisting. Word!